listening to In Tune, a podcast series featuring equity research analysts from BMO Capital Markets. Our shows explore key emerging themes, trends, and issues which are important to our institutional clients globally. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another BMO In Tune podcast. In this episode, we plan to discuss takeaways and themes from the BMO 2020 Chemicals and Packaging Conference. This multi-track conference, which was held in the virtual format this year, featured fireside chats with company management teams across the chemical and packaging value chains, and it created an outstanding forum for vigorous conversation on the state of these industries and the broader sector. I'm joined on the podcast today by two of our lead equity research analysts who hosted the conference, Mark Wilde, BMO's lead analyst on paper and packaging, and John McNulty, a lead analyst on the chemical space. As we proceed through the conversation today, I'll turn to each of these analysts for their industry-specific takeaways from the conference, and then we'll wrap it up with a brief discussion on some of the companies and stocks they believe could be best positioned to succeed over the long term. With that, let's kick off the conversation by turning to Mark Wilde. Mark, how did you feel after the conference this year? Well, thanks, Todd. It is Mark Wilde. I cover the forest products and uh, packaging names for BMO. For the conference, we hosted the packaging side of our coverage. Uh, The attendees included domestic and offshore firms, as well as some non-coverage names. Uh, Among the themes that I'd like to just review briefly, uh, there are four. First is a real split in uh, prospects for the consumer versus industrials side of the uh, the packaging world. Most of the consumer packaging markets are running very well with the pantry stocking as well as increased at-home dining. A number of companies are seeing volume trends well above normal. By contrast, the industrial markets are much weaker in both the U.S. and abroad. And in our meetings, Sonico, Greif, and European-based Smurf at Kappa all pointed to weak industrial markets. Grace suggested that May and June will mark the trough in its large rigid container operations, while Smurf at Kappa pointed to some of the European industrial markets where it saw activity down as much as 30 to 40 percent. At the same time, Grace did note improvement in its automotive-facing business during June. The second theme was some suggestions that sanitation and food safety issues may be prompting a second look at the case for plastic packaging. The third issue was a focus on balance sheet and liquidity issues that have really come to the forefront during the pandemic. A number of companies noted drawing down their bank lines as well as reducing capital budgets. We haven't seen much in the way of dividend cuts, but we have seen delays in potential dividend hikes, or in the case of Smurf at Kappa in Europe, the deferral of their final dividend. The fourth theme was M&A. As we approached the end of the second quarter, there were signs that activity on the M&A front is starting to pick up. For Owens, Illinois, Barry, Crown, and others, this could include potential asset sales. For other companies, including Sonico and Packaging Corporation, it may mean acquisitions. All right, Mark, that's great. Thank you. Interesting uh, four points. Next up, we'll go to uh, John. John, what were some of your takeaways from the event? 
Yeah, thanks, Todd. Um, look, as you indicated, it was it was a great event, and we had a big turnout. We had 32 companies presenting, and 24 of them were from the chemical side of things. So we really got kind of a good understanding on some of the major trends across the space and how they were thinking about the future, both you know the current environment as well as as kind of the, how they're positioning themselves for the longer term. So there, look, there were a lot of high level takeaways, but I think there were a handful that are worth touching on. First of all, regarding business trends, I mean, I think the main takeaway was that. Um, a lot had improved from the April lows through June, um, and there was cautious optimism um, that things were going to continue to improve. Um, the specialty chemical and material names were probably more positive than the commodity names overall, which which does make sense. Um, most pointed in the specialty arena pointed to the fact that they are not not only seeing improving end market trends, but they're also benefiting from low raw materials because of falling prices in commodities that are helping them on the margin front. Um, the commodity names, not you know, not surprisingly, they're seeing decent volume recovery, but with the supply demand fundamental still relatively soft, their pricing has been weak. Um, now, as far as end markets that our chemical names serve, the commentary pointed to um, to areas like electronics and semiconductors really holding up the best, um, owing to strong demand for semis tied to working from home trends. 5G ramp-ups, et cetera. Um, we'll see how long that lasts, but certainly that was, uh, that was something that currently um, they're pretty excited about. You know, on the auto OEM front, which is a big one for the chemical space, um, while things were certainly worse than expected through the month of May with a bunch of delayed startups at the OEM facilities, um, all companies indicated that June was actually ramping up a lot. And there was unified optimism that things are going to come back very heavily in the summer months with limited slowdowns from the customers and shortened vacations, et cetera. So that certainly bodes well for the chemical space with nearly a third of our names having solid exposure to this end market. You know, the housing markets, they had been pushing higher as well. Um, companies, you know, certainly cited positive trends there specifically uh, or most notably in the DIY area where we were seeing some solid lift. And then finally, things tied to quarantining or the end of quarantining also were starting to see a noticeable pickup. Things like catalysts for the refining industry around miles driven or the auto refinish businesses. Um, the only major end markets that seemed really weak with little lift to date were those tied to either the aerospace markets, which shouldn't be a big surprise in all of this, or those companies tied into heavy industry overall. Now, with all that said, you know, despite most of the markets snapping back pretty nicely, most of the companies are very cautious overall. Um, and so when asked about thinking about capital deployment in into, into either growth capex or buybacks, et cetera, all are still very focused on capital um, conservation and are holding on to cash as much as possible. Um, now, most of them are more focused on cash flow than they are even for earnings. And I think we're going to see, because of that, some wonky kind of results in 2Q where companies held back operating rates at their facilities, which may result in high fixed cost absorption issues that hurt the earnings. But it also, on the positive side, unlocks a lot of working capital and drives cash flow generation. So be prepared for a lot of that type of commentary on the second quarter numbers and the third quarter outlooks. We think most investors are aware of this, um, but it certainly is going to be coming. You know, as for names that maybe stood out to us and investors in terms of how, you know, where they were seeing surprises one way or the other, I would say, you know, admittedly, the Ashland meeting was very positive management, not only detailed how well they're managing through the COVID period, um, but also spoke to the margin lift and growth revitalization push under the new CEO that's going to really help to drive that story longer term. Investors were also very bullish on PPG, um, who should be benefiting from an aggressive longer term cost cutting story, as well as falling raw materials and recoveries in some of their end markets that we talked about, like auto OEM, 
auto refinish in the DIY markets. You know, on the negative side, what stood out, Dow kind of stole the show, indicating that earnings were going to be off by 30% uh, um, relative to expectations in the in the second quarter. Um, that said, candidly, the market digested that news actually pretty well um, after management pointed to strong cash flows despite that earning headwind. So those are some of the trends that in general we were picking up and some of the some of the points of interest or, or points of note that uh, that investors were talking to us about um, post the event. John, just a, a quick question is, uh, did the management teams use the word wonky or is that all yours? All mine. I think it's a BMO copywritten uh, word. <laughs> That's great. Uh, that was great. Plenty to think about and to mull over there. As indicated, when we kick this off, uh, before we wrap this up, I do want to pose the same question to each of our guests. So based on your conversations with investors and management teams during and after the conference, what company or companies within your coverage universe, whether or not management actually presented at the event, do you believe is or are, in the case if you have more than one, best position to outperform over the longer term? Why don't we kick it off with uh, Mark, if you want to go first? Sure, Todd. I think in the near term, some of the best performance is likely to be seen with the uh, the can companies and the plastic packagers coming off of second quarter results. I think there's a significant uh, potential for some of these companies to uh, exceed on the upside. In fact, Todd, since the conference, we've had second quarter industry data uh, for both beverage cans and food cans, and the food can numbers are up mid to high teens on a year over year basis. Uh, the beverage can numbers are up in the uh, low to mid single digits, but the industry is actually at this point running flat out and being forced to import cans. Uh, I think we have a little bit of the same situation with uh, a few of the plastic packagers where uh, volume expectations, I think, are actually quite low. Uh, I would highlight Barry as a company, which I think has set a very low uh, bar, both for the uh, quarter that has just closed, as well as their fiscal fourth quarter, which is the calendar third quarter. I think there's a good potential for them to surprise on the upside. From a longer term perspective, one of my favorite packagers is Aptar. Over 60% of the earnings at Aptar come from pharma and healthcare applications. Uh, that business is growing at a mid to high single digits clip, and the margins in the business are in the 35% range. So, from a longer term perspective, I think Aptar is a really good buy and hold packaging stock. That's perfect. John, how about you? Yeah, Todd, look, it's a, it's a good question. I think there are a number of, of really strong stories in the, in the chemicals and material space looking out over the next 12 to 24 months. But there's probably two to three names that we're even more bullish on in general. You know, the first one would be Ashland for some of the reasons we mentioned earlier, which is, you know, look, they've got a, a huge new margin enhancement story under the new CEO, and that's going to help to protect you on the downside through this difficult recessionary period. And at the same time, you've got a growth revitalization story tied, again, to the new CEO strategy. So you put those two together and we can see margin expansion over the next few years, as well as uh, an acceleration of their overall growth profile and all of this in a somewhat defensive set of businesses. So that one stands out to us as, as a really great kind of change type story. Um, on the larger cap side, you know, we have PPG. Um, you know, as we said at the conference, we came out of this one feeling a lot more bullish, both on the near-term fundamentals, which which are coming in better than expected, but also they've got a number of good longer-term growth opportunities tied to some of their end markets. You know, as an example, 
electric vehicles um, where they have a lot of coding applications there. They get two to four times the content on EVs versus ICE vehicles. So that gradual shift in the markets over time is going to help to fuel faster growth for them. So this is a high quality, good cash machine type story that should put up solid growth and and that growth may accelerate um, as we look out over the next few years. And then the last one, which I think is a really exciting one as well, is, is air products. You know, they spoke at our conference about the opportunities for green hydrogen as a significant growth area for them tied to the transportation fuel market. You know, with hindsight, that was a preview to their very recent announcement for a massive new green hydrogen mega plant. Um, we expect to see more of these announcements in the next few years. There's a big push toward green mobility, and hydrogen is going to be a big part of that story. So Air Products has that as an incremental growth kicker on top of what was a good double-digit growth story anyway, all in a defensive company where the earnings are very resilient because of take-or-pay contracts on their core business. So you've got protection on the downside, and yet a significant double-digit growth story on the top side or upside looking out over the next five years in terms of how the contracts lay out. So that one, we also think makes a ton of sense here. And John, if I could just jump in there, you've got a CEO that's created value in a lot of different settings at Air Products, don't you? That's exactly right. I mean, this the guy, Safi Gassemi, who's been running Air Products for the last five years, you know, prior to that, he had started and IPO'd Rockwood and turned that into a massive windfall for investors, then came to Air Products, cleaned them up on the balance sheet side, cleaned them up on the margin front, and now is accelerating and revitalizing the growth. He He's a rainmaker and he's he's done an amazing job in the companies that he's been with before. And, and we think that's going to continue. Good horse to ride. Good horse to ride. Excellent. Look, definitely appreciate the number of ideas as well as the context and the uh, the color around those ideas. So like I said, this is uh, going to be quick. That'll do it. Thank you to John McNulty and Mark Wildey for spending time with us today. And to Rachel Armstrong, of course, our resident podcast specialist for bringing it all together. And of course, a special thank you to our listeners for joining us for this BMO Intune episode. Stay safe out there and let's all do our parts to keep ourselves and others healthy. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Intune, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Intune on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast providers. Or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more podcasts. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com slash public dash disclosure.